You are listening to Health Interventions for Your Practice, episode number 12. Health Interventions has been created by Marsha Kessner, MP, to help other nurse practitioners and medical providers grow their clinical practice and optimize patient care. Whether you are brand new, building your skills and confidence, or a seasoned provider looking to stay sharp in an ever-changing patient population, you will find real-world information to use in everyday practice. Health Interventions for Your Practice focuses on a solid evaluation, lifestyle management, and patient involvement. Hello, welcome to Health Interventions for Your Practice. I'm Marsha Kessner, your host for this podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about vitamin B12 deficiency. You know, like, what's the big deal anyway? Why are we talking so much about all these nutrients and vitamins? Well, you know, there's a method to my madness. And vitamin B12 is very, very important. Um, And so is vitamin D. But we're going to get into vitamin B12 this episode. And next episode, I'm going to talk about vitamin D because I think these are the two biggest vitamins that we need to pay attention to. And I'm going to go through why that is, especially in our obese population, because obesity is what really uh, my focus is on a lot of the education that I'm, I'm putting out there, because obesity is incorporated into a lot of things. It It's, I really think the core to a lot of dysfunction, metabolic dysfunction. You know, we have a diagnosis that's called metabolic syndrome, which leads to obesity or did obesity lead to the metabolic syndrome? I mean, those are some of the questions that we're asking and that we're looking at because we're dealing with a whole new population. We are dealing with a population that is actually starving to death, but BMIs are rising faster than we've ever seen them. And that population is our pediatric population as well as our adult population. So that is what really kind of, you know, launched this whole health interventions for your practice thing. You know, I want to get this out there. I want other nurse practitioners and providers to understand this and to see what's happening because it's, like I said, not always really studied in our core, you know, education because it's kind of thought of as a side note. But really, I think that it's it's more than just a side note. I think that dealing with this stuff at the core is going to make everything else come into alignment. So with that, I'm going to carry on there a little bit. Um, So in the last podcast, we talked about a plant-based diet and how to start that conversation with your patient and how to implement the plant-based diet to achieve health benefits. One of those commonly seen nutritional deficiencies in a plant-based diet is vitamin B12 deficiency. B12 deficiency, however, isn't just common in those living a plant-based lifestyle. Another cause of vitamin B12 deficiency can include just poor GI absorption. And vitamin B12 absorption is often impaired by some of the most commonly prescribed prescription medications that we give, like metformin, beta blockers, and proton pump inhibitors. These medications can decrease the absorption of B12 by blocking or even eliminating a protein in the gut called the intrinsic factor. The intrinsic factor is required to absorb that B12 into a usable form into the body. So other medications that can block the absorption of the B12 include some of those older anti-epileptics like phenytoin, Depakote. Then there's colchicine, certain antibiotics, and anti-inflammatories. So do you happen to prescribe any of these medications? 
yeah, I think you probably do. So this just adds to the fact that pharmaceuticals should be used judiciously and not used to treat side effects of medications or just because the patient insists upon having some type of medication. And sometimes, though, it really is just our, our, our thing that we want to help, right? You know, oh, I can fix you. I can make you feel better. But we really need to stop and, and, and take a step back and think about what might really be causing some of these symptoms, help them by educating them on that and some lifestyle modification, as well as, you know, the medications that can be prescribed and some of the side effects and some of the things we might be looking at if we use that pharmaceutical agent. And so there again, what's the big deal though? Why do we care so much about B12? Well, because B12 is vital to neurological function and red blood cell production. I think that the nervous system and blood production are pretty important, right? So the nervous system controls sensation, perception, energy, mood, cognition, and most everything else in our body. And as for those red blood cells, we know that red blood cells carry oxygen, Without proper oxygenation, we will suffer from poor endurance, fatigue, and myalgias, among many other side effects, as you know, with poor oxygenation. Um, that's not really the topic of today, So, but we know about red blood cells. That one's pretty common. When one of the most common complaints though, of primary care in, in many specialty practices is fatigue, a vit and vitamin B12 being the common contributor to fatigue, you should be checking vitamin B12 in your patients. I actually became fascinated with the impact of vitamin B12 um, during my time working as a provider in the neurology practice I told you about way back in the beginning. We had patients referred for stroke-like symptoms, neuropathy, and yes, even the fatigue that the primaries you know, were like, I don't know what else to do. Maybe it's something neurological that's causing this. So the common denominator in many of these patients was actually a vitamin B12 deficiency. The most significant case that I was able to observe, both the effects of deficiency and the benefit of replenishment, was in a gentleman that was sent for ataxia. He literally could not walk a straight line. He came down the hall with the assistance of his wife because without her, he was like zigzagging from wall to wall. And one of the things that we would do with the patients during assessment is, you know, obviously we would watch them walk down the hallway to get a, a good assessment of their gait because it's very important in neurological evaluation. Um, so he had a steppage type gait due to a loss of perception of where his feet were. And now many of you know that when evaluating a patient with neurologic dysfunction, you go for patterns. Typically, stroke-like events occur unilaterally. Neuropathic dysfunction is bilateral. And ataxia that causes you not to be able to walk a straight line is typically from something in the central nervous system, not the peripheral nervous system. So this gentleman was very perplexing. As he did not have diabetes, he did not have a stroke on MRI, and displayed conflicting presentation of a neurological process contributing to his symptoms. I remember watching him walk down the hall going, oh boy, this doesn't look good. And, and then going over these labs, like I just mentioned, like, okay, wait a minute, what's happening? Or I should say the diagnostic studies. So now here's the lab panel. So there was a standard lab panel that we drew for everyone that came in the office with neurological dysfunction. And B12 was included in that panel. His B12 level was 127. That was the only abnormality we found. Of course, I was skeptical that replenishing B12 was going to return this gentleman to full function. I mean, it was bad. 
we did, however, initiate parenteral vitamin B12 therapy and had him return in six weeks. His levels had increased to 700 and he had complete resolution of his symptoms, except for some decreased sensory to touch in the most distal parts of the lower extremities. To say the least, I was blown away. He had also had improvement in his energy levels and cognitive function, which he had not realized had gotten so low until he was feeling so good. He was more focused on the fact that he couldn't walk and didn't realize anything else was really happening. And so from that point on, I have checked a vitamin B12 level on every patient that complains of numbness, tingling, fatigue, or memory impairment. Some things you may find on examination prior to such a profound presentation is decreased vibratory sensation, slowed reflexes, decrease in sensation to light touch and temperature in the extremities, and abnormalities of the tongue. For vitamin B12 deficiencies to get to the level of the extreme nature that that gentleman had, the patients would have had to gone through all of their vitamin B12 stores in the liver and no longer be absorbing any type of B12 from their diet. A treatable vitamin B12 level with injections is 300 or less. Between 350 and 450, I'll advise a sublingual type of vitamin B12 that can be absorbed in the oral mucosa as opposed to the stomach because of that intrinsic factor. Um, Because when you have lost the intrinsic factor that helps for that B12 absorption, it doesn't ever come back. And you'll not be able to absorb the vitamins taken orally that need to be broken down in the stomach. So if the levels continue to climb with a sublingual or a mucosal absorbable type B12, such as the gummy or the drops, then ejections, you know, they're not necessary. Um, Elevated homocysteine levels can be seen in vitamin B12 deficiency. An elevated homocysteine level indicates an increased risk of cerebrovascular disease, which makes sense, right? Because it all goes through the um, nervous system that we're talking about with B12. So if vitamin B12 is depleted and homocysteine levels increase, be sure to also check a folic acid in addition to the vitamin B12 um, because B12 has a lot to do with folic acid absorption. B12 depletion in alcoholics is quite common. The irritation to the gut and intestines from alcohol, particularly if you drink a harder liquor, can block the absorption of nutrients. Oftentimes, patients will not tell you the amount of alcohol they truly drink because they feel like you're going to judge them. So if you do observe a macrocytic anemia associated with a B12 deficiency, discuss the causes of B12 deficiency cautiously. You know, no one ever wants to feel like they're being judged or attacked. You know, mention it in a way that, you know, they'll get them to think about it because even if they don't admit to drinking or how much they drink, this may help them to be a little bit more honest and upfront with you about alcoholism or they might just be more willing to you know take the vitamin b12 repletion now another consideration for b12 deficiency in alcoholism is that you know alcohol is a diuretic and b12 is a water soluble vitamin so this makes excretion of vitamin b12 occur at a higher rate in alcoholics so the vitamin b deficiencies in alcoholics can also lead to metabolic dementias and alzheimer's type dementia and one of the on the subject sorry on the subject of vitamin B12 being a water soluble water ugh, one of those talk times huh so 
tongue tied. Let me start over. One of the subjects of B12 is you know, what are the levels? How high should I go? Do I have to worry about anything? But B12 is a water soluble vitamin. This adds security to the treatment plan. So as the diuretic effect of, of being an alcoholic can deplete your vitamin B12 stores, um, when you are replenishing that, you need to know that vitamin B12, you're not going to overdose a patient on it because it is a water soluble vitamin. I will initially give vitamin B12 1,000 micrograms subcutaneously or intramuscularly once a week for four weeks, followed by once per month. Um, thereafter, maintaining the B12 levels, uh, it, the once a month is more than sufficient. Um, some patients will continue, though, to deplete their stores, and then I start to really look at like other causes, like, okay, what's really going on here? Um, some patients will continue, like I said, just to keep depleting that, and they'll keep complaining of fatigue. So when I draw their levels and see they're still down, I mean, I know if I'm giving them the B12 injections at the office that they're getting them, so compliance isn't the issue, uh, but then I'll increase the injections back up to every two weeks. Or, you know, sometimes if they can't make it in the office that often or, you know, they are they don't want to give themselves injections, I'll also do an oral, you know, sublingual supplementation uh, and the parenteral vitamin B12 once a month and see if that's enough to keep it up in between visits. I'll check their B12 level every six months, you know, once they have been established with a B12 deficiency and started their treatment just to make sure they stay where they need to be. Um, so now sources of vitamin B12 from your diet, that includes primarily animal sources such as liver and organ meats, egg yolks, tuna, and salmon. For those on a plant-based diet, nutritional yeast is a really valuable source for the B12. If they're not consuming enough through their diet, oral supplementation with a thousand micrograms um, daily will still be fine. And you know, if they're going to go on a plant based, if you're having that conversation with them, and you, you you know, as you go through the complement the conversations with plant based, make sure you, you ask them about their B12 um, supplementation. So the the parenteral replenishment is most often used once the depletion they are depletion rather than as a preventive. And now, um, I will say that too, I do um, do a weight management program and I do offer um, B12 injections as part of that. They're more lipotrophic injections and they have a few different B vitamins and some other stuff in them also. But um, as you know, like I said, I do offer a wellness and weight management program that is online. Vitamin B12 is covered in that program for considerations of the weight management aspect. So we just talked a lot about medical aspect, um, you know, for things that we're doing in common everyday practice. But, you know, vitamin B12 in the weight management practice is pretty important, too, because um, it's very significant for boosting metabolism and overall wellness. And once you increase your energy levels and boost your metabolism, you'll feel more like exercising, enhances your motivation towards weight loss efforts. Um, like I said, I didn't speak specifically about the lipotrophic injections in that course. Um, because, you know, I, I want to do a lot of ongoing education because I want to keep you engaged if you do take that course and keep putting out stuff that's going to, you know, augment your learning and help you to, you know, stay with the changes. But um, I, I will not speak of all of it in the B12 in this lecture either because we've got some other good stuff coming in um, and some future discussions. But I will tell you that it is very significant due to the boost of the metabolism and it's easy to obtain from a compounding pharmacy. And most of my patients really absolutely love the lipotrophic injections. Um, and depending on what area of the country you're in, they um, there are many valuable resources for those those um, compounding pharmacies. I'm on the East Coast and find that some of the West Coast pharmacies charge an insane amount to ship into this area. 
Um, and I'm currently putting together a program that will use the adjunct of therapies and wellness and weight management that is going to discuss the supplemental resources like the vitamins, the lipotropic injections, IV nutrition therapy, and peptides and exosomes. So um, we're gonna we're really gonna dive deep to that kind of stuff in that program. Um, and and I know that seems like a lot to include in one program, but if you're going to add one, you should add them all. They're a great ancillary source of income, and they're very, very effective. And if you have not already gathered this from my podcast, I don't believe in gimmicks. I, I don't believe in quick fixes or anything that is going to let the patient down. I will not ruin my reputation or risk my patient's health for a dollar. So anything that I promote and put into the course for you, I assure you, I have researched it at great length. I have offered it to my family, my friends, and my patients, and I have documented either the success or failures before I'm going to bring that to anyone else. And you have heard in my previous podcast that I like to practice what I preach. And so again, like I said, those protocols, supplements, and treatment options go to myself, my family, my friends first. Um... And I, I'm not going to promote any kind of gimmicks out there. That's just, there's plenty of things we need to do for patients that we need to truly do for our patients that we don't need to scam them and we don't need to take money from them and set them up for disappointment. Because I think that that is just gross neglect and, and you are doing harm. And you know that when we take our license, we take it seriously and you're not doing any harm. So, um, and there's always plenty of peach bull out there who's trying to take advantage of you. They're trying to sell you the latest and the greatest. Um, I've lost a lot of money in the short term studying these things, but I considered a gain in the end because I didn't hurt anyone. I didn't take advantage of anyone by implementing something that was not effective and I maintained my integrity. So, you know lesson learned. Um, But I bet you guys are liking that this is a little bit of a shorter podcast for me. Um, I do hope that you've taken away some information on the importance of the B12 in your patients. You will make sure you will make a big difference in them and their lives. So many, so many people, if you check their B12 levels and begin to treat them appropriately, you don't have to have a special practice to do that. That's right in your everyday practice, no matter what you're, you're practicing, no matter if you're a specialty or if you're primary care. Um, it'll boost your metabolism, boost your energy, and eliminate, eliminate a myriad of symptoms um, they might be experiencing. So if you found this valuable and to you and to your practice, you might want to check out my phytonutrient and micronutrient module from the Wellness and Weight Management course that I did make available as an individual course for you. Um, you can find that at nphealthinterventions.com forward slash phytonutrients. Um, I would, of course, like you to take the entire program and get all the information that you need to make a big difference in your patients, but I understand completely if you're a little hesitant or you're not sure if it's something you want to do, you want to dive into. That's why I'll release some of these modules as a appropriate with the topics that we're going over in the podcast, you know, just so, you know, you can you can do it at your own pace. Um, if you have any questions about those compounding pharmacies or anything from this um, this module or this podcast that we've done, send me a message. I don't care. You know, that's what I, I'm trying to help everyone in the profession. Um, so if you're listening to it and you're like, oh, where did she get those? You know, or, you know, how can I really use those? You know, just, you know, send me a message. Um, you can get that, go to healthinterventions.net. That's the Facebook um 
excuse me, that is the website and there's a link on there to send me a message. It's a contact form. So use that. Um, and I want to thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast. And if you're loving it, give me a review on iTunes. This will help other people find the podcast to help them in their practice also. And again, as you know, show notes will be found at nphealthinterventions.com forward slash 11. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter so you never miss one of these episodes and you never miss the extra fun stuff that I am doing. So have a great week and may be filled with many health interventions. Thank you for listening to Health Interventions for Your Practice. If you like this podcast, please take the time to rate, review, and share. If you'd like more health interventions for your practice, you can visit mphealthinterventionsforproviders.com and sign up for the Health Interventions newsletter.